0: Y'all copping those new Rams alternate jerseys with the zebra pattern and the Super Bowl 53 patch? You're listening to a Holyfield Holyfield Podcast. Podcast. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid to podcast. I use Anchor to distribute this very episode and so that all... The amazing listeners on the number 1 podcast in your headphones can enjoy Prem Brûlée on whatever platform they prefer. I love how easy Anchor makes it to edit and post episodes. So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm/start. That's a n c h o r.fm/start to join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. All right, welcome back to another edition of Prem Brulee. As always, I'm your host, Premo Bot. And uh, without further ado, let's get going on, yeah fam or not. Nah. First thing up is the NFL championship round and that we are on to Super Bowl 53. And of course, we know the matchup. Super Bowl 53 will be the Rams versus Patriots. Um, not without some drama, that's for sure. More on that in a little bit. The AFC matchup. Featured the New England Patriots defeating the Kansas City Chiefs thirty-seven to thirty-one in overtime. The Chiefs' offense did not touch the ball in overtime. Uh, the Patriots got the ball first, won the toss, and uh, marched down the field on the Chiefs' defense, scoring a game-winning touchdown. Uh, so I wanted to pick a topic from each matchup for the headline of the week. And uh, for the Patriots-Chiefs matchup, yeah, Famer goes to the NFL overtime rules needing a change. Let me preface this by saying I get and agree with the notion that the Chiefs defense should have made a stop. Also, fucking save it with the we wouldn't be talking about this if the tables are turned and it wasn't the Patriots who got to the Super Bowl. You don't think Tom Brady fans would be suggesting the same thing if he never got to touch the ball? Just like when it happened to Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs a few years ago, people were ranting and raving about the overtime, so let's save all that bullshit. But, I am a yeah fam to this. I think overtime rules should be changed. Let's think about this. Your team captain. Your team, you're going out for the coin toss. Your team wins the toss before overtime. What option are you picking? Because it damn sure isn't any one of the other three options besides receive. What's the point of even having choices when there's only one? Why do we even do a coin toss then? Why is a coin toss so dependent when there's only really one option and no benefit to either of the other three? Yes, I get it. You have four quarters. Yes, your defense can get a stop or force a field goal. But I want to see both offenses get the ball. It doesn't have to be at the opposing team's 25 like it is in college. It doesn't have to be gimmicky like that. But I would love to see... Both teams at least get a kickoff for a chance to have their offense touch the ball. We can say this about any quarterback, any team. Any team making it this far, it's a shame when both sides of the ball don't get to decide the game. Yes, the Chiefs defense has been bad all year, and that's what doomed them. I get that. I'm not as gung-ho about... This one, but if you're going to ask me if overtime rules should be changed so that I can see the best players get the ball and I can see it not get decided by a coin flip, I am sure as hell for that. And I don't really see why they shouldn't be unless you're a Patriots fan that can't see the truth and knows just how lucky you are. Fucking D4 didn't line up offsides. We wouldn't even be talking about this at all. Okay. Now let's move on to the NFC matchup where the number one seed New Orleans Saints lost to the number two seed Los Angeles Rams 26-23, also in overtime, which was the first time both championship matchups went to overtime. Kind of crazy in two possible games, they both went to overtime. And by now, it's been talked about, the play at question was, by Los Angeles cornerback Nikkel Roby-Coleman, who committed a blatant interference penalty with a helmet-to-helmet hit on Saints receiver Tommy Lee Lewis, well before the pass arrived inside the five. It then forced the Saints to settle for a 31-yard field goal by Will Lutz, making it 23-20 at that point in the game, uh, with a minute and 41 seconds left in regulation. Had the pass interference been called, the Saints could have run out most of the the time off the clock and set up a winning field goal from chip shot range. Roby Coleman has been quoted as saying, quote, came to the sideline, looked at the football gods, and was like, thank you. I got away with one tonight. After the no-call, Jared Goff had enough time to lead the Rams down the field for a Greg Zerline game-tying field goal a 48-yard field goal with 15 seconds remaining. Uh, then, of course, they went to overtime. New Orleans won the coin toss and got the ball first in overtime. Drew Brees had Dante Fowler in his face, who hit his arm and led to an interception by the Rams' defense, uh, specifically John Johnson the third. It eventually led to a game-winning field goal by Greg Zerline of 57 yards. With this matchup... You probably guessed it, but the yeah, fame or not is that penalties should be reviewable. Especially penalties in crucial times and games, just like what could have been reviewed in the what should have been a pass interference or helmet-to-helmet helmet or take-your-pick by Roby Coleman. This one's the easiest one I've probably ever had. This is a hell yeah. This is an egregious miss of a call. This one cost the team... A, an entire game in a chance at a Super Bowl, and there has to be something done about it. Luckily, the NFL competition committee is led by no, none other than Sean Payton, so I hope he spearheads some kind of some kind of change in the NFL policy so that something like this won't decide an entire game, and in this case, who attends a freaking Super Bowl, for crying out loud. It's not exaggerating to say that the Saints got it absolutely robbed and that the atrocious no-call was probably the worst no-call in football history. You know what? i make the rules here.
1: Betty alert, Fetty alert, Fetty alert.
0: This can't wait for You Played Yourself. And this You Played Yourself goes to the NFL referees and the NFL in general. This miscall is not just one in the regular season. It costed a team, a city, its fans everyone, a chance at a Super Bowl. It impacts legacies, money, everything. Sean Payton, in his postgame press conference, had called the league, and the NFL told Payton that they blew the call. Payton said, quote, I don't know if there was ever more obvious pass interference, end quote, but yet, nothing happens. Instead, the Saints' season is over, and they're robbed at a chance to win a Super Bowl. Then we have leagues finding players and coaches for criticized officiating. Where's the referee accountability? God forbid someone admits they didn't do their job well, but other people calling them out, oh, we're too sensitive for that. That's some participation trophy-ass bullshit right there. And let me tell you one thing. This you played yourself especially goes to the people thinking this didn't change the game. Those of you saying that there's plenty of game left to decide the outcome or plenty of mi- other missed calls, Get the fuck out of here. Not all missed calls are created equal, and this one sure as hell wasn't. Enough of the coach speak of, we had plenty of opportunities to win. That wasn't the reason we lost. No, it fucking was the reason the Saints lost. Plain and simple. All other players, all other plays led to that very missed call, and the Saints did enough to put that game away. The referee's the one that took it away by swallowing his damn whistle. If the referee does his job there, right in front of his fucking face, the Saints get a first down and likely run out most of the clock, since the Rams at that point just had one timeout remaining. The referee made it so that the Saints missed out on the Super Bowl because he did not do his job, plain and simple. Not all missed calls are created equal, Yes. Tell me about the the face mask from the drive before. I don't give a shit. All those plays led to that very drive where an obvious penalty should have been called and an obvious outcome should have been should have been had. Not all missed calls are created equal. If you think otherwise, if if you think the Saints shouldn't be in the Super Bowl, you're wrong. You must love being wrong. I can't relate to it as I've said before, but you enjoy being wrong. This Rams Super Bowl appearance has asterisk written all over it, just like the Golden State Warriors winning a title.
1: Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. And this
0: one might even be more because it's not just me being petty, but this is actual real legacies impacted by a referee not doing his job. But yeah, who are we to criticize officiating? We need to protect them at all costs. Those officials that fucked up. The Super Bowl. All right. Let's resume back to Yafamrna yeah, before I get to the likeies, no likeies, and hate it. This one moves on to the NBA. Um, Yafamrna yeah, to James Harden running out of steam come playoff time. So the Rockets guard has scored 30 plus points in 20 consecutive games. The only other player to do that is Wilt Chamberlain, NBA history. Also, he had 200 points in a four game stretch and that achievement has only been done six times in the past 50 seasons, four times by Kobe and twice by Harden himself. What's even more impressive is none of those 200 points came via an assist. Is Harden going to run out of energy by April and May? Also, does it put more pressure on Chris Paul to pick up the slack when he returns from injury? Um... And outside of Harden, the Rockets made news. They signed Kenneth Fareed to replace an injured Clint Capella and uh, just dealt Carmelo Anthony away, uh, getting him off the books, paying the Chicago Bulls to get him off their roster, basically. So back to Harden. I'm a yeah fam to Harden running out of steam come playoffs. He's going to need some major help by Chris Paul, maybe even take a few games off once Chris Paul can. Come give him some assistance. This is not sustainable all year. Sure, he's at 20-plus games, but we're talking about heading into April, May, and they almost made it to June last year, the Rockets did. So at the very least, it's four more months of basketball, and it's crazy to think he would have to continue this production for the Rockets to make any sort of splash in the Western Conference. So I'm a yeah fam to him running out of steam. Um, hopefully for your sake, Rockets fans, he doesn't, but, uh, they're absolutely going to need him to keep producing like this at this ridiculous rate for them to have a real shot. And I wanted to, uh, give a little update for the, the college football off season news I covered last episode. We covered a few, early draft declarations, and more so covered a few big names hitting the transfer portal, that mystical transfer portal. Of course, right after that episode hit you number one podcast listeners in your headphones, those quarterbacks I talked about picked their next schools. So, first up is Jalen Hurts. He was thought to have had a lot of schools in contention over his services as a graduate transfer. Um, one of the small ones we mentioned that he visited was Oklahoma. Uh, his visit to Norman must have won well because he ultimately decided that he would become a member of the Sooners football team and will be eligible to play right away and likely be the starter for the Sooners, who are coming off back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Uh, continue to get rich with Jalen Hurts. Uh, the other quarterback I talked about was, oh, now former Ohio State quarterback, Tate Martell, who was back up to Dwayne Haskins and was originally going to move up the depth chart until the the Buckeyes landed, Georgia quarterback, former Georgia quarterback, Justin Fields. Um, Tate Martell hit the transfer portal, portal really quick and wasted no time in transferring to Miami University in Florida. Um, of course, Martel will sit out a year. He is an underclassman. And we talked about Martell talking a little shit, uh, thinking he'd win the job at Ohio State. And the next thing you know, he's totally gone. So good luck to him. But it's about the only time I'm not for a player transferring is when they talk, talk that shit and don't back it up and essentially run away. So.
1: Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert.
0: A little petty alert, but. You shouldn't have talked that shit. And then, we. other than that, we wish him all the best. But I'd be lying if I said someone who talks shit we're going to root for. This Martell transfer is way different than Joe Burrow transferring to LSU and us Buckeye fans rooting for him hard. Uh, Martell is probably not going to get the same treatment. All right, time for like you know like you hate it. And I usually like to start with the positives and work my way negative. Usually a positive dude, but in the sports world, I'm a pessimist. Anyway, my likey for this sports week goes to the Cowboys parting ways with offensive coordinator Scott Linehan. Let's fucking go, Cowboys. I didn't think you had it in you, and you went ahead and did it. Good riddance, Mr. Linehan. Thank you for your services, but don't let the door hit you.
1: Steady alert, Betty Alert, Betty Alert.
0: However, no likey to the talks of replacing Lenahan with current QB coach Kellen Moore. Yes, that Kellen Moore, who was quarterback of Boise State, the lefty years ago. And then Kellen Moore's vacant quarterback coach position would go to John Kitna, who played for the Cowboys a hot second which translates to basically no fresh ideas because they'll have more of the same vanilla with being Jason Garrett guys. There are even rumors that Garrett will have a hand at calling plays, which worked out so well the first time, and I'm sure you can sense my tone that it did not. Got a couple hate-its before I move on to You Played Yourself. First hate-it goes to Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving recently made public comments about his teammates um, and about learning how to lead after he made those said comments about his teammates. Kyrie Irving called LeBron James to apologize after realizing he shouldn't have called out his teammates in public. Quote, I had to call Bron. I apologize for being that young player that wanted everything at his fingertips and I wanted everything at my threshold. I wanted to be all that and the responsibility of being the best in the world and leading your team is something that is not meant for many people. Bron was one of those guys who came to Cleveland and tried to show us how to win a championship, end quote. You know what I want to hear. Sound that alarm.
1: Betty alert, Betty alert, Betty alert. You didn't have anyone in your corner
0: before to help you realize that? Before you left a perfectly great team in a perfectly great situation, one that had a chance at plenty more championships? Instead, you come to this realization later, who is on your team? Who is on your personal team telling you these wise things or wise revelations to come to sooner? What kind of an idiot... This is even worse. I'd rather you not tell us you, you called Braun and apologized. Nobody asked you about this. And then you offer up this bullshit after you so weirdly left a perfectly great situation to be your own man. And now you're telling us you had to apologize? Get the fuck out of here, Kyrie. And you're flat earth ass. Alright, one last hate it. A quick rapid fire. He hate it goes to these CBS and Fox and NBC football coverages that continue to interview Jared Goff, these post-game interviews need to exclude his old boring ass. If this dude had any less personality, he'd be taking attendance. Bueller, Bueller, I don't want to hear this guy talk. He's the most vanilla dude I've... Stop interviewing this guy. Fox interviewed him twice, one right after the game, and one at the podium presenting the NFC Championship. Nobody wants to hear his boring ass. Get him off the screen. Alright, here's my favorite category. You played yourself. Of course, I went out of order, talked about that stupid ass no-call penalty, but beyond that, you know I already bring the petty and got more to complain about. Okay, last episode, I talked about Tom Brady still trying to you know, Tom Brady claiming the underdog role. You played yourself again, the first repeat offender, immediately after being on it last episode. Tom Brady's still claiming in the underdog role. Mike's caught him talking to Chris Hogan saying, Oh yeah, we're too old, too slow, no skill players, no defense. Your ass made it to the AFC Championship. Give give it a fucking rest. Three straight Super Bowl appearances, in addition to eight straight AFC Championship appearances, and now Tom Brady's ass has 9 total Super Bowls appearances in 18 seasons. Yeah, we really feel for you. Every time people think maybe we shouldn't root against the Patriots, one of their own or their fans act like it's so tough for them as fans. Get the fuck out of here. Nobody feels bad for you guys acting like victims left and right. No wonder people hate you. You act like victims when you have no right to.
1: Ready alert! Ready alert! Ready
0: alert! Next one goes to this one's near and dear to my heart. You played yourself ghost to Tony Romo, haters. Some of y'all don't like a single goddamn TV crew, huh? You got problems with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, or you got problems with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Now we got issue with Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Why don't y'all just shut the fuck up about it and watch the game? Or watch the game on mute and see how it goes instead. You guys out here complaining like first world problems, get the fuck out of here. Was Tony, was Tony Romo... Calling one of the best games ever in an AFC championship, this by the way, by consensus by other TV analysts, peers, was him not calling almost a perfect game and predicting plays before they even happen not enough for you in commentating. I mean you have the option to not listen to it, and then you're just complaining about it. Better luck for you guys because the Super Bowl is gonna feature none other than Nance and Romo, my dude Romo. Next, You Played Yourself goes to football gods. Yes, I know I'm tempting fate by calling them out, but it's not like they've been that great to me anyway. So hopefully they see this with all due respect, football gods. So last year, the New Orleans Saints had the Minnesota miracle happen against them in the divisional round of the playoffs. And then this year, they had this no-call pass interference. Football gods, you do know that this team is called the Saints, right? I don't... I don't think that's delivering as well, or maybe football gods see it as like a spit in their face. I don't know, but this seems a little, little much for one fan base to take. Don't you? Don't we think? I feel like the Patriots have won enough. This shit needs to start happening to them, maybe.
1: Betty alert! Teddy alert! Teddy alert!
0: Next, you played yourself goes to Roger Goodell. He has many reasons he played himself, but in this particular instance, one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL, Michael Thomas, from none other than The Ohio State University, tweeted out the following, quote, Rule 17, Section 2, Article 3, at NFL. And later tweeted, quote, Hey Roger, pick up the phone, end quote. This rule Michael Thomas tweeted out states, quote, The commissioner's powers under this Section 2 include the imposition of monetary fines and draft choice forfeitures, suspension of persons involved in unfair acts, and, if, appro- if appropriate, the reversal of a game's result or the rescheduling of a game, either from the beginning or from the point at which the ex- extraordinary act occurred. End quote. Article 1 right before that states, Quote, the commissioner has the sole authority to investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures if if any club action, non-participant interference, or calamity occurs in an NFL game which he deems so extraordinarily unfair outside the accepted tactics encountered in professional football that such action has a major effect on the result of the game. End quote. Roger, I know you're not going to do it, but do the right thing. Let's let's get this game going from what should have been a penalty and let's see how it really turns out so we can shut those people up who claimed there's plenty of more game to play that's what I say all right a couple more to round out this section you played yourself goes to uh, some anonymous Eagles players and sources close to close to the team these anonymous folks were cited in a report by the Philly voice in which, Quarterback Carson Wentz was described as being selfish, uncompromising, and egotistical. The report describes an uneasy dynamic within the Eagles organization with sources accusing Wentz of playing favorites and failing to take accountability while describing Nick Foles as universally loved. Tight end Zach Ertz, who is identified in the report as Wentz's favorite, I mean it doesn't it's not rocket science to d- determine that with how many receptions he got. But, Ertz was among Eagles players to tweet in of once. He was also joined by defense lineman Fletcher Cox and right t- tackle Lane Johnson. Listen, you can talk all the shit you want. You know this is a safe spot for petty. But, you played yourself and you remained anonymous. That's what we call being a coward. If you're going to talk your shit, put your name on it at least. Talk that toasty, man. Write it in, Poop Brown. Last but not least... Any chance I get, I got to do this. You played yourself Michigan football. Michigan football is out here hyping up Tom Brady on their social media. Guys, he was a six-round pick thanks to you. You didn't do shit to help him get there. That's all him. Michigan football acting like they made this huge impact on him. All you've done since then is make him wear a whole bunch of Ohio State shirts, him losing bets with teammates, and went to Ohio State. You haven't done shit, man. While we're at it, Shout out to Michigan and Tennessee for becoming basketball schools now. Yeah, that's right. You heard me. I know you guys agree. All right, that brings us to who you got and what you feeling. A little recap of last episode's picks. Surprise, surprise, I picked the NFL championship round in who I thought would make the Super Bowl. I picked the Super Bowl matchup that probably should have happened, and that was the Patriots versus Saints. wasn't technically right, but... I think I should get the W on this one, considering all everything I've laid out in this very episode. The Saints should be in the Super Bowl. I also talked about Kyler Murray, whether he should do baseball or football, since he has option at the MLB and the NFL. Murray, of course, is declared for the NFL draft. He was seen working out with Antonio Brown, actually. Um, I surprisingly went with the NFL because I thought that's what Murray seems to really want, and it's quarterback money, which is a little bit different than anything else. So it seems like it's heading that way. We'll see if Murray tries to do both, a la Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, but um, stay tuned for that. I think for right now it's safe to say he's sticking with football for the time. This week, wanted to start off by picking the... NFL Pro Bowl, NFC, I'm kidding, I couldn't even get through that, nobody gives a shit about that, I'm not picking that. Instead, um, I'm going to wait another week to pick the Super Bowl since we have a week in between, but I thought I'd throw in a few NBA ones since i got to start accepting the fact that football is on its way out in a couple short weeks. So, this week, I wanted to cover... Who needs Zion Williamson more, the Bulls or the Cavs? Of course, the Bulls and Cavs are both doing atrocious. The Bulls just beat the Cavs the other night, but the worst teams in the NBA currently are the Cavs, Knicks, Suns, and Bulls. All will be vying to get their the right ping-pong ball combination so that they can get the opportunity to draft Duke freshman Zion Williamson. Anyway, I think the Cavs, yes, a little biased, but Cavs need a further infusion of young talent beyond just Colin Sexton. Meanwhile, the Bulls already have Lori Markkinen and Wendell Carter, two very high potential young players. Yes, I get it, the Cavs have Kevin Love, who's been injured all year, but that's about damn it, and I would like to see the Cavs rebound quick. I know they've had plenty of luck in the lottery, and they don't really deserve it, but the Bulls still have six championships in a statue of MJ, so who are we really talking about? Next, I mentioned it earlier when I talked about the Rockets, but um, where does Carmelo Anthony end up? Anthony was traded to the Bulls for cash. He will be released and likely become a free agent if he passes waivers. The Lakers have been linked to Anthony, um, but according to reports, do not have a roster spot open for him, which, by the way, I call bullshit on that. I don't see Isaac Bonga and Alex Caruso as big necessary. Just say you don't want Melo, guys. Let's be real. I think Carmelo ends up with a a contender. He's not going to play a lot if he does end up with a contender, but I could see it happening, or a team on the outs. It would be kind of fun to see him just suit up for the Bulls, who don't really have anything to play for. Might as well let him go get buckets, but instead we'll be wondering... Which hidden Carmelo, Anthony Jersey is better. His Hawks version or the Bulls version, two teams he was technically part of, but never played a game for. If I had to guess right now, I think he's going to end up in Los Angeles for the Lakers somehow. Whether it's injury or an infusion of scoring they might need, but um, I guess we'll find out. At least he has the freedom to choose here very shortly. As for what I'm feeling, definitely getting a weekend away with my crew of friends. Chance to unplug at Belvedere Fest Triple X and getting quality time with the misses on a long weekend. Plus Oscar nominations came out. If you haven't heard already, the twenty nineteen Academy Award nominees for Best Picture are Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice. My wife and I are fortunate to have seen them all already, so that was a nice little surprise. We don't have any homework to do beyond that. Um, And in case you're wondering, if you want to take some notes, win an Oscar pool or two, here's my early breakdown for best odds to win that very category. Maybe we'll, at Holyfield, do something where we talk about our picks for the other categories. But anyway, my early breakdown for best odds to win... Would have to put A Star Is Born and Roma first, followed by Green Book, and the favorite. The bottom four I would put as Black Klansman, Black Panther, Vice, and Bohemian Rhapsody last. I definitely think it is a top two heavy race for Best Picture, that being between A Star Is Born and Roma. So don't be surprised if either one of those wins. Uh, Roma is leader of the leader in the pack right now. Time to wrap up the episode with Too Much Sense, the advice I love giving, but you didn't think you needed. And this was inspired by seeing a movie called The Upside starring Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. You get to choose who you spend your quality time with. Choose wisely. And don't regret not spending time with people that actually matter. Wasting time with people that don't is not worth it to your overall happiness. So choose wisely. Choose it with people you see being worth your quality time. And that's going to do it for this edition of Prem Brulee. The number one podcast in your headphones. Don't ever play yourself. Please continue to share these episodes. Tell a friend to subscribe. Tell that friend to tell another friend to subscribe. And we will talk to you next time.